In today's episode, I'm talking about the role money plays in leaving a legacy and how easy it is to miss God's plan for it. Stay tuned if you have a desire to leave a legacy that honors God and your family. So here's the million dollar question. How are people like us who don't settle for the status quo, who value freedom and a life without limits? How do we create extraordinary results in the key areas of life, yet skip the fear, stress, and anxiety that produces regret? This is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. I'm your host, Tom Herman, and welcome to the Attractively Different Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Attractively Different Podcast. Hope you're doing well. And today, I want to talk about one of the most subtle tactics of the enemy and the idea of, quote unquote, giving back. This often has a positive connotation and people are cheered for giving back to society. Yet when you look at the phrase giving back, what does it imply? It implies that they took something. It implies that in order to gain what you gained, in this case, wealth or money or fame, that you took something from someone else. Someone had to lose in that equation. It's a very subtle thing, very subtle. And what made me think about it is I was reading an article recently that talked about seven billionaires who will not leave their inheritance to their children. The list includes Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, financial mogul Michael Bloomberg. All these are billionaires, have multiple billions, and yet they're not leaving their inheritance to their children. Or if they are leaving some, it's it's very minuscule to what they have accumulated over the years. Um, and in that article, composer Andrew Weber mentioned that he's best known for his hit musicals, Phantom of the Opera and Cats. He said, I am not in favor of children suddenly finding a lot of money coming their way because they have no incentive to work. So he doesn't want to leave money to his children because he believes that it will leave them no incentive to work. Michael Bloomberg said, if you want to do something for your children and show how much you love them, the single best thing by far is to support organizations that will create a better world for them and their children. Are you okay if I rant for just a second? I mean, <clears throat> I let me be clear. I do not think that it's bad to be generous and to give to charity. But really? I mean, really? These are your these are your children. You've you've built a business. You've built a huge financial asset. You've built something. You've built a platform for the next generation to launch from. And you're not going to leave that to your children. I mean, what do these statements say about their beliefs, either about money or their beliefs about their kids? They're trusting their fortune to nonprofit organizations to make the world a better place instead of raising up their kids to make the world a better place? I mean, isn't work ethic a character thing? So when composer Andrew Weber says that your children will have no incentive to work when they inherit money, I mean, he's either implying that money destroys character or that his kids need character so they'll have to work for their money in order to build it. I mean... I'm not sure if these statements say more about, like I said, more about money or their beliefs on their kids. 
And so just because someone has money doesn't mean that they know what to do with the inheritance when it, when it transfers from one generation to the next. And the idea that you shouldn't leave money to children because it might ruin them is totally not a biblical perspective. Like I mentioned earlier, money won't ruin them. But the failure to teach your children how to handle, make, and grow money, it will ruin them. And I personally think these statements, these ideas of leaving your fortune to charities and not your children is really a lack of accountability. It's based on the idea that they don't want to ruin their kids, so they're going to leave their kids to figure it out. And I think this is one of the most subtle tactics by the enemy because each generation is starting over. This idea of what do you want to be when you grow up and encouraging kids to pursue their dreams and like let them go figure it out causes a lot of struggle right out of the gate. I mean, think about how poverty would be different if each generation built up some type of platform, some type of something to launch them from. I'm not necessarily talking about billions, but something built something up. They trained up their children to like work beside them, gaining a skill set to be equipped to eventually take over like a business or take over some, manage some money, be able to grow some money, learn a skill set. Think if they were to train children how to do this and then launch them out to society. That would look very different than what we have today where it's send your kids to college, where college professors, if you're a Christ follower and you believe in biblical principles, most colleges are going to work against everything you've fought for so long to train your children. The belief patterns, the way they interact with everybody, it's like they're going to work against what you've built up for all those years, and they're going to launch them out into a career to go, to go figure it out themselves, starting from nothing or very little. And so it perpetuates the struggle. It perpetuates the strife from one generation to the next. And I want to discuss a few passages that shine a light on how God views the purpose of inheritance and how following his model is the best thing you can do for your kids and for the culture. Because like I said, when you have the mindset that I'm going to give back, it implies that you took something in order to get what you have. So I don't know if there's, because these men, in this case, they were all men, and because these billionaires have created amassed so much wealth that maybe they subconsciously feel like they've done something wrong if they have this mentality that in order for me to win, someone had to lose. They're trying to balance that out in their mind by giving back. And it's praised and it's seen as generous, which it is very generous. I advocate giving. And it's a very biblical principle. But the idea of building a platform and then giving it all away so that your children start over is very non-biblical. And God wants us to use what one generation has built, pass it to the next so they can continue to grow on that and expand it and do the same for their generation, for their kids. So one of the verses I want to look at was found in Genesis 24. It's verses 34 and 36. And if you're familiar with the story, um, Abraham sends his servant Eliezer to go find a wife for his son Isaac. And um, Eliezer goes and he finds a wife for Isaac and he's telling her family. And he says in verse 34, 
I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. So this is one of the first times that inheritance is brought up in the Bible. And we see Abraham, the father of faith, has given everything he owns to his son Isaac. So this is setting the table. This is setting the perspective of how God views inheritance because God blessed Abraham. Abraham had a lot. He had this huge platform that Isaac could then take and grow it even more and pass that on to the next generation and continue to be stronger as it goes down the line. Another verse is Proverbs 13, 22. This is a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And this is interesting. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. So we see the first part of the verse is a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So a good person is leaving an inheritance, not one generation, but two generations down. But look what's look what the second half of the verse says. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. There's an implication that a sinner, you know, whoever that may be, someone who's not following God's principles, that there that there's like a wealth transfer to the righteous, which when you look at Ecclesiastes 2 verses 26, there's there's another indicator that maybe there is this transfer from those who are following God's principles to those who are not. Ecclesiastes 2:26 says, "To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God." So it says, "The sinner is given the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God." So there's an indicator that wealth is for God's people because he knows that if you're following his principles, that you will use the wealth for good and to build his kingdom and to make it a better place. So this inheritance, some may say, well, that, that's an inheritance of faith, godly heritage, you know, good character. And I would agree that is part of your inheritance, what you pass on to the next generation. But I don't think that's all it says. When you're looking at the same word in, in the same context of inheritance, Proverbs 19 verse 4 says, Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. So houses and wealth are inherited from parents. So it's an indicator that yes, faith, godly heritage, character, those are all part of the things that children inherit from their family. But in God's perspective, houses and wealth are included in that because a father's job is to provide for his children and his grandchildren. And like I mentioned earlier, think about this concept. Think about the impact on poverty. If every family didn't make their child start over from scratch, if they held this thought that if I'm pursuing God, I'm growing his kingdom, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That means raising them up in a way where they know how to handle money, they know how to make money, and they know how to grow money because those are the resources they are going to create influence so they can spread the message, they can go 
pursue their God-given assignment and grow the kingdom of God. But the enemy has perpetuated this idea, this lie that you need to start over. Every generation needs to start over, at least here in the United States. That's a common thought. Another, another verse I want to touch on is when talking about taking care of your family is 1 Timothy 5, 8. It says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so in this verse, God has expanded the financial responsibility beyond just the children and grandchildren. It includes the relatives. It says anyone who does not provide for their relatives. So even as the process as goes where, you know, parents age and, you know, children take over, you know, God has put in this, he's put in a process that allows us to take care of each other. Where think about someone who has a family business and they've, they've grown up and they've brought their children up in that way. They've taught them some skills and they've handed the business over to their children. And there's naturally going to be a relationship there. You're moving towards something. And obviously I say, obviously, in my opinion, when you're, if you're having a family business or having that idea of some type of legacy of raising your kids up in a certain skill set and teaching them how to, you know, build, manage, and grow money, um, or make, manage, and grow money, it's not forcing them to do exactly what you did and make sure that you stay in the family business. And even if you don't want to do this thing, then you need to do it because it's the family business. No, it's the idea of creating a system, creating a platform, creating something that produces income that can then propel the next generation forward. So if they want to work in that business for the rest of their life, hey, that's great. If not, that can be a business that is managed as an asset for the family, but can also be a way that they can leverage their own creativity, where they can go make the world a better place, where they can use their skills to make a difference on society. And so it just it just boggles my mind to hear these to hear these billionaires who have added a lot of value to society. I mean, think about what Bill Gates did with Microsoft. I mean, basically on everybody's computer, it's added so much value to the business world. I mean, it's just the way people communicate, the way they track things. Like Microsoft added so much value to the world. And by him leaving the majority of his wealth to charities and foundations, he doesn't, he can't control or influence or have as big of influence on how they're going to use that money versus your kids. When you can teach them skills, you can teach them how to see things and see problems and how to serve people at a high level. Like if you truly want to make the world a better place, like some of these people are saying, it's not leaving it to a foundation who's going to not really care about your money the same way your kids would. So you're you're giving money away to people who aren't going to take care of it the same way your family would. And if you feel like it could ruin your kids, then it's not a money issue. It's a character issue. And is there parenting that needs to be done? Is there there need to be groomed to handle that responsibility? And so one thing that I want to end with is the story of the prodigal son that 
that shows this kind of in full perspective here. If you if you don't know the story of the prodigal son, it's a story in the Bible where there are two sons that ask for their father their inheritance from their father while he's still alive. And his father gives it to them knowing that one of his sons is going to go blow it. And his son goes, spends all his inheritance, is caught eating food with pigs, and is like, I'm going to return back to my father's house. Maybe he'll hire me as a servant of the house. And the son comes back and the the father sees his son coming and runs out to meet him, gives him a big hug, and they celebrate that his son has returned. And you see in this story, the older son who stayed with his father is frustrated because his father is not celebrating him or didn't, you know, kill the fatted calf for him to, to celebrate. And his father tells him like, don't worry. I've left all that I have is yours. I've left it to you. And there are a few things that we see in the story. It's in found in Luke 15, if you want to go read it, but as the father, it's, the story is found in Luke 15, if you want to go read it. But the father gave his son the inheritance. So as a father, it's my responsibility to teach my children about money. Yet, it's not my responsibility to monitor or manage what they do with it. So the father in the story gave his younger son the inheritance, even though he knew he was going to go blow it. Yet we see the son return. And did he get another inheritance from his father? No. So it's not as the father of the house, it's not my responsibility to provide that child with another inheritance if they come back. Yet the story shows us there is a responsibility of the father to restore him back into the family, to restore him back in the family business, the way things are. He, he brought him back in we're a place where he could get back on his feet and make a living. And so that father, that house was a place of protection. There was a patriarch of that home that was allowing his sons to be groomed up for life and to build it, to build what he'd build upon. So the father is that patriarch father is the protector of the house. He's the provider of the house. And so when we look at this story, we are responsible for our assignment and how it relates to others around us, but we're not responsible for making sure that the next generation responds to us the way we want them to. And I don't know if that's what's happening with these billionaires when they're when they're allocating all their inheritance to a you know charity i don't know if they're they're trying to manage or control how it's going to influence their children because we see here it's not our responsibility on how they spend it we need to raise them up in a way that they spend it and take care of it and grow it because yeah it can cause a lot of pain but there's it's our responsibility as parents especially as fathers in God's kingdom, in his principles to set up a foundation for our children, raise them up, build that character to teach them how to make, manage, and grow money. 
Hopefully this, you found this information valuable and it's been an encouragement to you. Um, I do want to highlight if you haven't already um, downloaded the Life Purpose Roadmap. It's a free resource I've created to walk you through seven simple steps to discovering your purpose and succeeding in that God-given purpose. Um, if you haven't downloaded it, go download it now at attractivelydifferent.com backslash purpose. It will give you a mindset. It'll give you a perspective of what it's like to walk in your assignment, to walk in your purpose and raise up a family, create an environment, create a platform for your family to grow, build upon so you can continue impacting the kingdom of God um, well past your time here on earth. I just want to remember everything you do matters. God has a specific assignment for you. So go and rule that assignment, serve his people and be blessed. Hey everyone, it's Tom again, and I wanted to ask you a quick question. On a scale from one to 10, how confident are you that you know God's purpose for your life? I mean, there can be a lot of confusion around this topic. So I went ahead and created a life purpose roadmap to help you gain clarity on your purpose. You can download your free PDF, Life Purpose Roadmap, at attractivelydifferent.com backslash purpose. It'll walk you through the seven simple steps to prospering in your purpose. Also, for the next 40 days, I'll be sending you a daily email guide that will help you unlock the full power of the roadmap. These emails are designed to make it that much easier for you to implement the roadmap and succeed in your God-given assignment. It's free. Just go download the Life Purpose Roadmap PDF at attractivelydifferent.com backslash purpose.